This podcast episode has probably been the very longest in the making of any episode that we've ever done. We've been talking about it for at least a year now, and it's taken some time to put together. And we finally, I finally got to the point this week where I was like, we can't wait any longer. We can't wait for all the stars and the schedules to align. We just got to get this done because our dear friend, Brad Smith, is, he's a friend of ours from our last congregation here in the neighborhood we lived in last in San Clemente. And we went to church with him for a few years and he wrote this amazing book and he wrote it. Neil's going to get into a little bit more why he wrote it. But first, let's just talk about like initial impressions of Brad Smith. Like, what do you remember about him? What was your first impression of him? Describe him for someone who's never met him. Brad was uh, is super intelligent person, kind of right off the top of my head, like quick thinker. Yep. Very well spoken, witty, funny, but funny, witty, and personable. Like not dry, but like very like colorful. Like a lot of life to him. I just keep thinking he wore this Star Trek outfit for Halloween one time, and I'm like, that fits so perfect because he's like super smart, and I, it was really really cool. But. Like a lot of people that are as smart as Brad are not also funny. Like the the personality side is maybe a little bit more, not as dynamic. Yeah, but yeah, he he's is, super dynamic. he's super smart and super funny. And he and his wife, Tiffany, are also just some of the most caring, wonderful, service oriented, like just really good salt of the earth type of people. And the last time we saw Brad, he was just like a normal dude, just walking around, living his life. Like you never would have thought anything differently about him or his trajectory or what his life would look like. I mean, I would have taken a look at him and gone, yeah, he's just going to like live life, have kids, get old, die when he's like 90. But unfortunately, that is not what has happened. So I'm not sure exactly when, but sometime after, let's see, when did we move? He moved right before we did. And that was like in... Like 2017, 17, 18, something like that. Yeah. He probably moved away in like 2017. That was the last we saw of him and he was perfectly healthy and normal as far as I remember. And within the last just few years, he was diagnosed with ALS and has quickly gone from being this like walking, talking, dynamic man who just was, you know, totally normal to having, he talks about in the book, having all of these talents and gifts that he loves like typing and playing the piano and being able to just walk and talk all of those taken away to where he's now reduced to having to use his eyes to communicate which is incredible that he can do that that the technology now allows for him to do that but he's he's very much aware that he's in kind of his last days most likely because of the just that's how ALS goes So he gave this amazing gift to not only his children, but to everyone he's ever known. And he wrote a book called Navigate the Strait. And it's subtitled One Guy's Thoughts on the Narrow Passage to Eternal Life. And even if you are not a member of our same church, I think there's so much just rich and deep wisdom in this book. And also, if you happen to not be a member of our church, but you're kind of curious about how things work from someone who actually is a member. Like, don't go to some Bravo TV show or (laughs) the Book of Mormon musical and think you're going to get 
a good representation of who we are and what we believe because they just make a joke out of everything. But this book is so great because he takes a lot of like gospel truths and things that we believe in and he does a deep dive on them in a way that's very easy to digest. It's not like your brain starts getting tired after three pages. I mean, some of the doctrine doctrinal books that we have are super amazing, but I can only read so much because it takes me a minute to take it in. Like I'm reading a book called The Infinite Atonement right now. It's incredible, but it it definitely takes me a long time to really digest all of the information that I'm taking in. This book is just from like a personable, funny guy who at the same time talks in depth about things that are so interesting that have to do with our gospel and our beliefs. And I mean, the gospel of Jesus Christ, but the way we believe in Jesus Christ's gospel. So this is one of my favorite things that Brad says. He says, most of my writings are about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. While I present many ideas within the framework of church doctrine and culture, I hope that anyone can learn something useful from what I have what I have learned. I'm no scriptorian. I never taught religion at Brigham Young University. I don't know the location of the Ark, the Lost Tribes of Israel, the Book of Mormon Cities, or Nikola Tesla's death ray, which Neil and I have no idea what that even is. But the ideas I talk about here are my own based on my prayerful study of doctrine and scriptures. But don't just take my word for it. Go to the source and see for yourself. This is my favorite part, though. He says, if anything in this book conflicts with the living prophet, then I am wrong. Stick with the prophet. And I love that he says that, you know, and he he repeats that theme throughout this book. But we just wanted to talk about a couple things that we enjoyed in the book. And then I had the really cool opportunity to interview a few of Brad's close friends, people who intimately know him, know Tiffany, know his family, to speak on his behalf about the kind of person he is, and then talk about their favorite chapter or two in the book. So that was really cool. So the remainder of this episode will be those interviews. But before that, what was your favorite part, Neil? Well, I think just the overall concept of the book. Like, if there's somebody, I'm I'm highly interested to hear from somebody where it's like they've they've lived a life, they've seen ups and downs, they've they've experienced these things. They're solid in their their faith, and then they're approaching that that time when it's it's potentially time to to move on to the next life. What do you have to share? Like, what do you have to impart with me? Like, I'm really, really interested in what they have to say in that moment. It's amazing to have a book where it's like, yeah, let me share with you. Here, here you go, topic by topic. And the way he laid out the book is super amazing that way. But I love, I love that. And then there's a letter at the end that that he leaves for his children. That's just really amazing. And it's and it kind of encompasses those things of what really matters, what's really important. And I love. I love what he has to share. And I love Brad because he says in his book, he's like, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of doubt right now on the earth, like around the world. And, and just on social media, you see it all the time. Everyone's kind of has, has their doubts speaking in terms of faith, but I love his perspective because he, that's just who he is. He's just 100% all in. And I, that's why this perspective for me is so valuable and and it's something that we see a lot in the scriptures with different things in the Book of Mormon or other books of scripture. It's like before a prophet or someone dies, they share some really valuable truth. It's like, this is what I, after seeing what I've seen on the earth, let me share with you what the most important things are. And it's gospel truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Right. And there are so many cool topics in here. Everything from like a couple of deep dives on repentance and why commandments are amazing and obedience and faith and how to cast out fear. Just really applicable topics to anyone's life who's trying to live an all-in kind of life. And I think that to your point, it is hard. Sometimes it feels like the loudest voices on social media are those that are trying to drive people away from their faith. So if you're looking for something that's going to help ground you into gospel-based principles, he builds all of his ideas off of things that the prophets have said, scriptures, scriptural stories, like they're solid. It's not just his opinion. So I really enjoy that. And one of the so we'll talk about several of the kind of, you know, highlight chapters that everybody loves. In fact, I made the people that I interview, if they picked the same chapter as somebody else, I made them pick a new one because I wanted to cover as much of the book as possible and do kind of a several different people's perspective on their review of the book and why it's so amazing. And I have given this book out to probably at least a dozen people. I mean, I just kept ordering copies off of Amazon and handing them to people or sending them to people in the mail because it's just such a fresh but really solid perspective on gospel truths. But one of the chapters that I really loved is named Delegating Responsibility in the Kingdom of God. And this one I think is particularly applicable right now because in our church, they just barely made these huge changes to something we call for the strength of youth. It used to be a pamphlet. Now it's like online. It's digital on all of our gospel libraries, which is an app that's free. You can download it, the gospel library. And then under youth, it is called for the strength of youth. And it's just like a standards. It's a it's a guide of standards for to help the youth make good choices. But since it's been out for about a week, I've just heard a lot of chatter of people who don't like the fact that they changed tradition. The tradition for us growing up and for the last probably 20, 30 plus years, longer than that probably, has been a pretty strict outline of this is where your hemline should hit. You should be covering your shoulders. You should cover your belly. You should only have two piercings. You should avoid tattoos. There was a laundry list of pretty clear definition of where the line was kind of. And the new for strength of youth is a lot like when they did away with the law of Moses. And Jesus said, no, here's what actually matters here. Like, let's do away with some of these. Don't take six more steps on the Sabbath or whatever it was. And the first presidency in our church has said, this is what actually matters. And there are people who are struggling with it. And I understand that. So in this chapter, Delegating Responsibility in the Kingdom of God, Brad talks about this, about how people will struggle with tradition changing and culture changing and how to navigate that and how to do it in a gospel-centric way. And again, he says in this chapter, even this book is presenting my opinion. As I said in the preface, if anything I say conflicts with the current living prophet, then I am wrong. Always stick with the prophet. And then he says, seek doctrine, sustain policy, everything else is tradition. So he talks about how he was in a ward, like a congregation where the priest or the priesthood holders, like the young men who were passing the sacrament, or if you don't know what the sacrament is in like a Catholic church that they call that communion. So it's the bread and water. And he said that they had this tradition where the young men would sit facing the congregation. And it wasn't like doctrine. It wasn't even in the handbook. It was just 
a tradition in their ward. And when they started complaining about that, he was like, why don't you change it? And they said, can we do that? And he answered, the handbook says it's our job to do it. And then someone said, but that's the way it's always been. And then he says, if it is not in the handbook or scriptures, it can change. Just confirm with the bishop and do it reverently. So he talks about how they went through this procedure of changing things the way they they were just doing it because that's just how they'd always done it. But it really wasn't in the handbook. It wasn't a rule. It was just a tradition. And so he talks about how to do that. And he said, it took only a short time to change a years long tradition that nobody liked. We just needed to read the handbook and empower the young leader in his duty. And then he talks about the bishop. This is huge. The biggest tradition in the church is a reliance on the bishop for everything. While a committee I served on was planning a ward party, someone insisted that the bishop had to approve the music playlist. Seriously? Isn't that our dr- our job? And then he talks about Elder Bednar speaking in a meeting that he was in and talking about how to not overload the bishop with things and how that's a tradition that he says tradition is stubborn and these old traditions sometimes die hard, but how it's so important to like, that's what Jesus did. He came and he changed things up and we have to be willing to do that too sometimes. And there's just, it's a good opportunity oftentimes to look at, is this tradition or is it doctrine? Is this policy or is this just something that we've just done it that way? So why not keep doing it? So anyway, that's one of many things in this book where it's just cool to be able to read somebody who has taken the time to put together these gospel reasonings and the references to help you see, oh, this is this is actually doctrine or this is the truth or this is where we can draw that source of truth from. And just a lot of really, really great discussions in this book on things that I felt like kept uplifting me and opening my mind and helping me to be a better member of our church over and over again. So I hope you enjoy these interviews from people who know and love Brad so much. And Brad, thank you for writing this incredible book. It's something that has blessed my life and many other people who I know who you'll never meet, but they've been richly blessed as well. So we love you and we're grateful for you and we are praying for you. So I'm here with Amy, who is a friend of Brad's. So we have a mutual friend, Brad, and I would love for you, Amy, first to tell me how you know Brad, how you guys met and became friends. Okay. So I am actually a speech therapist for one of his children. Oh, okay. Which I love. So I actually don't know Brad super well because I've only met him. Well, I've been doing speech therapy for their for their little daughter for about, well, I think a year and a half now. Yeah. So... Uh, which I love. So I get to be a part, I get to be in their house and I get to see them interact and, you know, it's their everyday stuff. So that's really cool. Yeah. And I'm sure a really tender experience to watch the whole family interact and work together. Yeah. So that's how, you know, Brad, tell me what you have observed and admire about him and his family. Well, one thing I love about Brad is, man, can he do hard things cheerfully, right? Yes. So my son always signs his missionary emails that do hard things cheerfully. That's Brad. Yeah. Um, there's other one other thing I want to say about Brad. Well, there's a couple things, right? I just, I'm amazed at his ability to continue to do good things with him being in a wheelchair and not able to move. It's amazing. He's, he's still doing so many good things. He wrote a whole book. He, He's, he has a website and sells beautiful temple bags. 
and he just continues to keep doing great things. Yep. He has an incredible attitude about it and it's just very impressive. Um, their everyday living is what I would call heroic every day. Well, and I love that he always does it with a sense of humor on the side as well. He does. never he lost a, a sense of humor. humor. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Can you think of an experience or anything that has particularly touched you that like in, in any interaction with their family or anything that Brad has taught you or done that you've been inspired by? I know his wife a little bit better than him because I interact with her a lot. And I'm just amazed at their interactions and just how they function every day. It's, it's honestly a miracle and it, and heroic. It's incredible. Let's talk about your favorite part of Brad's book, Navigate the Strait. I think you were saying that your favorite part was the chapters about repentance. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I chose the repentance chapter because, I mean, when you talk about repentance, like, ugh, I don't want to talk about that. Right? <laughs> so, but after reading his chapter, I think repentance is such a beautiful thing. And I encourage, if you only read one chapter in Brad's book, I think that should be the one. It's so relatable. He makes it simple. I know he wrote this book for his children, but I mean, I'm pretty old and I, I learned stuff that I never even thought of before. Totally. And I wish I would have read this to my young women when I was young women's president, because this makes, it takes all the yuck out of repentance. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. And it makes it feel very simple. And I think that one of the ways that Satan can kind of get to us is take gospel truths and make them feel really overwhelming and make it feel like, wow, that seems really hard. That is so true. When, yeah, he, yeah it's not. It's the opposite. It's yeah, like and freeing. Brad puts that so simply and he frames it in such a way that it makes you honestly want to repent and do better, right? It's not yes. a big, scary, yucky thing now. Now it's just a course change. Totally. And I love that about, about that, about that part. Yeah. I love that he calls it a course change too, and that he's less about a program or a, the steps and more about just that change of heart and a change of direction, course correction, yeah. like you're saying. Yes. yes. A change of direction. And how much easier does that feel than like confessing and feeling mm -hmm. guilty and all those things that we've kind of put upon repentance, but let's just make a change. We're going to stop doing what we were doing and just make a change. And yeah. I think a lot of people can relate to that because like my son, he's before he went on his mission, you know, he needed to make a course change, but he also was into weightlifting and he, it took him a couple weeks before he saw that his weightlifting was making a change in his body, but one little decision after another, and all of a sudden and he's looking real good. <laughs> right. And so same with repentance, we make one decision after another to do what's right. And we're looking really good and we're feeling so much better. So. That's so true. I love that Brad says in his book, repentance is worth the work because when you feel the infinite light of Christ's atonement, the results are amazing always. And that's yes. basically what you're talking about is the end result and how it makes you feel. And that effort, the, the little bits of effort day by day, build up to something really beautiful. Yes. And that's what repentance is about. I mean, it's not for Heavenly Father. It's not like he wants us to repent for himself. He wants us to repent so we can be happy, so we can feel loved, so we can have all the good things in our lives. And I know when I repent, I I just feel better. I can do more things. I can it, it, Not repenting kind of holds you back. 
Yes. But repenting opens up all these doors and you feel light and love in your life. It's so much better. And it's just a course change. He made it so easy. Yes. So true. Thank you so much, Amy, for your thoughts today. And is there anything else that you wanted to say about Brad or share about his book or him? Uh, no, I think that's probably it. Okay. So, Andrew, tell me how you know Brad. Well, Brad was a member of the ward I was a, I was in in Provo, Utah. He moved in with his family shortly before the birth of his daughter. Mm-hmm. And they weren't there very long. I was in the bishopric at the time, counselor. And then he, he uh, got a new job in, in uh, Arizona and very sadly for us moved out. But for the years that we were in the same ward, it, I would like to say that I I became his friend. I hope he thinks that way too. He was a he's a very impressive young man. We saw the the wonderful grace and wisdom with which he and and his wife adapted. Really, I guess yeah. a, with a very difficult birth of his of his daughter, when she required so many operations, and it was so difficult and unexpected. And we, uh, I will, I, I will forever be impressed with the, uh, just the thoughtfulness and the willingness to do the Lord's will that Brad exhibited at that time. And of course, it's since that time, so he moved to Arizona and then not long afterward uh, developed his, his ALS. And we stayed in touch mostly through social media and to, observe that part of his life now and the again the grace and the wisdom and the depth with which he has with which he has dealt with it and helped his family and and the eternal perspective that he has 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 moved very deep yeah it's remarkable what he's able to do using his eyes typing on his ipad to communicate his thoughts and feelings he does it better than most people who are completely able-bodied he, the other thing is he keeps coming up with more and more. Yep. He, he keeps coming up with greater insights. And every time he posts something on social media or whatever the case may be, he's got something new. He's got something uh, that he has discovered. And, and it's very, very inspiring. Do you have any personal stories that you can think back on where you had a great interaction or something meaningful or memorable that happened with Brad? When I think of Brad, I just think of him his humor right and i, I brad uh, as a teacher as a uh, ward member as a speaker always infused humor into the situation yeah. and it was always good it was sometimes it was, sometimes you wanted to do a little bit of a head slap in that come on you know we, we really need to get further but then it was always a, a, a good comment and his humor brought light to the situation not light like levity light but <laughs> light from above and it, the humor was infused always with wisdom yes and and I, I think that that's the my overriding memory of of him and in in and i'm picturing as you ask that question i'm picturing him in the chapel 
in the ward building, whether in some form or fashion, whether it was in Sunday school or uh, Elders Quorum meeting, or whatever the case may be. But I'm picturing right there, sitting right there where I'm pointing <laughs> and uh, making those kinds of wonderful comments. Yeah, he did bring a lot of and continues to bring a lot of laughter and joy to people in that and his wonderful sense of humor. So tell me why you chose chapter 15, learn the Lord's way of doing things. Before I answer your question, I just want to say that when I heard about Brad's book and he kind of told everybody about it and I, my wife and I decided we would get a copy mm -hmm. and I, I thought, honestly, and Brad is hearing this, I thought it would be <laughs> a bit of a courtesy. My buddy's got some struggles and I'm going to support him. Let's be nice and order his book, right? I, That's exactly yeah. right. And then I read it. <laughs> and and w what was astounding was that uh, each chapter, I, I was just, I was really quite overwhelmed. I, there were tremendous insights. And it was one of those things which I love in books when you are reading something and you wind up thinking about it for the rest of the day or at least another hour. Yeah. it's And it's been that kind of, that kind of book. And there are various topics, and I and I love the essay form of it. And I can tell you, you can, I, I can pick up again. I'm hearing his voice as I'm reading because they are so instructive, and just like he would instruct an elders quorum or, or give a talk or whatever. And it's that, it's that, that tone of it that is is delightful to me. But more importantly, is that it, the insights that I'm getting in each and every one, and of course. I, I happen to know because I think one of the first ways we connected was our, I think I gave a talk and uh, mentioned Neil Maxwell. Mm -hmm. He came up right afterwards. I love the old Neil A. Maxwell and I love hearing reading his stuff. And of course, virtually every chapter has some kind of Neil Maxwell quote in it. Yeah. That's one too, but he's, Brad is so bright and it just comes, comes through in each chapter. So I was uh, leafing through and I have had a role in the bishopric. In my new ward here, I live in the state of Maine, mm -hmm. and I've been in the bishopric, but recently was called to the elders quorum president. Almost the day after, I think it was, that I was called, I was going through Brad's book and came to chapter 15, which is about being an elders quorum president. And uh, that was not a coincidence, I'm sure. But it uh, really gave a tremendous amount of light to my immediate situation. Yeah. Can you tell me about maybe a takeaway that really impacted you or, like you said, that you thought about for a long time after? Absolutely. One of the themes of elders forum presidencies, wherever you go, is trying to increase the efficacy and the just the consistency of, of ministering, kind of ramping that up. COVID really kind of kicked us while we were down there. And, and I think every place I've gone, everybody I've spoken to, has been struggling to kind of get this back. Mm -hmm. And chapter 15 is very much about that. And Brad, as usual, comes in with tremendous laser-like clarity on what, what it's all about. And that is, to first and foremost, to know the nature of God and that this is our duty as, as elders, as priesthood forum members, that we need to make sure that our the people we minister to know the nature of God that he loves us, that he sees us each as individuals, that he's there, that we are children of God. And that is our duty right there. And then act upon it in some form or fashion. So that those those are the kind of the bullet points that 
I take from this this chapter, and I again I love the clarity of it. It's it's really elaborated with with wonderful quotes from various sources, including including Abraham Lincoln. It's really quite a a wonderful insightful chapter for Elders Quorum presidency. Yeah, I love that this was also just basically placed in your lap right when you needed it, right when it was relevant for your life and your circumstances. And I agree, this is such a great chapter, just talking about how we can live the gospel of Jesus Christ and not just study it, not just use it as a doctrine that we believe in, but in a lifestyle that we choose to live when we choose to live as disciples of Christ. So are there any other major takeaways or thoughts or things that you want to share that you learned from this or from Brad? I'm not sure whether it's from this particular chapter, but throughout. Brad's does a wonderful job in each chapter of, of, again, with laser focus, coming in on a principle, coming in on a topic, and then supporting it both with scripture, but also with his tremendous insights and experience. And he's had such a wide, wide uh, background. And from the capital to his business background, and, and of course, his his own personal struggles and his family struggles and such like that. And the the way he illustrates his his chapters are, I think, the way that we need to consider the gospel, which is evident on on the surface, I suppose. But that is, we we take the scriptures, we take the words of the prophets, and then we apply them to the context of our own lives and use the experiences that we've had in our lives to elucidate, to illustrate those kinds of principles and make them even more relevant to us. And in this case, talking about ministering to others. Yeah. We take take our our members, those we serve, we, we take their experiences, we relate to them and try to relate those, those gospel principles in, in an individualistic sort of way. And I think that he's, he's masterful at doing that. He is. Well, thanks so much, Andrew, for sharing your time and experiences with us and helping us to get a glimpse of what your relationship was like with Brad and, and still is and the way he's impacted you and so many of us. So Mandy, tell me how you know Brad. And Tiffany. They live in my neighborhood and I go to church with them. Okay. Awesome. And how long have you known them? About two years. Okay. Awesome. So tell me some things that you admire about Brad or Brad and Tiffany, you know, what you've observed and what you've learned being friends with them. Um, Being friends with Brad and Tiffany, every person that you talk to is going to just tell you about how service oriented they are. Yeah. Um, no matter the situation that they're currently in with him having uh, ALA, or I'm sorry, ALS. Mm-hmm. They are constantly concerned more about what's going on with you and asking what they can do for your family. Yeah, that's so true. Very, very service oriented. Yeah. Have there been any like personal stories or situations where they've like really touched your life? Probably in more ways on a personal level than what they would know. I newly moved into the ward two years ago and I'm a blended family mm-hmm. and got a really big calling and have, you know, three new teenagers. And it just, after getting to know them and just everything about them, anytime I was having 
kind of a hard day and have to go for a walk, I would always think of Tiffany and Brad. They, they probably don't even know this, but it would give me strength because I would think that if they can get through their situation of all the care that Tiffany does for Brad with a positive mindset. And also Brad has a very good sense of humor. Great sense of humor. Yes. <laughs> it just always made me feel like that if they can do it, that I could do it. Yeah. In my current situation. And I kind of pull from their strength. And even though they're not always able to attend meetings or functions all the time because of their life situation, they're constantly, they're the first person to respond to help when you're asking for a recommendation for something, any type of messages through our group me that we have. Tiffany and Brad both on both ends. And Brad's are always very humorous, of course. He's always, always to say, hey, you can come babysit me and I will come and send Tiffany to help clean the church. <laughs> always, always. My husband shares with me all of his messages because they're very, very humorous. And yes. that just shows their personality. Yep. They are such a great couple. They're a power couple for sure. So you chose chapter 32, which I love. And I actually was there for this talk that he gave in our San Clemente ward, which was amazing. He gave this talk. Am I, am I right? You're looking at me like maybe that's not it. 32, chapter 32. Yeah. No, okay. You're right. Okay. I, I didn't know he gave a talk about it because I was, yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I started to read it. I mean, I've read the whole book, but I went back to review this and I started to read it and I was like, wait, this sounds familiar. And then I went back to the footnote and he said, Tiffany and I have been blessed with rather clear promptings every time we've moved during our marriage. When we went where the Lord wanted us to go and the talk on which this chapter is based, I share some of those experiences and surprised our ward family by announcing our departure from the Liberty Park Ward in San Clemente, the 26th of April, 2015. And I remember being there for this talk. I was like, felt like I was 15 months pregnant, but it was like a week before I gave birth to our second daughter. And we were just busting up laughing the whole time because it was so funny, but just also like really spiritual, you know, felt the spirit. And so tell me what spoke to you about this chapter and why you chose this. This was my very favorite chapter to learn the will of God and do it because mm -hmm. it feels like every single challenge that I've personally experienced in my life. This is my number one advice. I do hair. I'm a hairdresser. Oh, I love that. I have so many people that talk to me about many different life situations. And if every single person can turn to God and learn how they can feel his answers for their own personal situation, then we can literally get through anything. And usually every time that I let God prevail, it's the opposite of what I thought was right. Best. Yes. It's always not my way that I would have done it. And a light goes off. And then the hardest part is to follow through and to do it. Yep. And Brad shares many stories in his in this chapter in his life of things where he listened to the spirit and it was not at all what he felt was supposed to be at that time in his life. It's to me my number one. I have a lot of women I'm very close to that will talk to me that are going through divorce. Mm -hmm. And I just know only God knows their situation. Yeah. That they have amazing counselors, amazing friends, amazing church leaders. But I always know that their number one source is to go straight to the number one source. And that's the person you can trust with everything. And that's God letting him prevail. 
Right. Because he never gets it wrong. His plan is always better. Eventually, it usually eventually makes sense, but his plan is always better than the one that we had. So yeah, I loved this too. It was, it was really funny when he announced this in church, just like you're saying, he has such a great sense of humor and he did surprise all of us with this announcement over the pulpit that they were moving. And my husband still quotes him saying, I will go where you want me to go, even if it's Provo, Utah. (laughs) Because my husband shares that sentiment with him of that's probably the last place that my husband would choose to live. But that was totally the right thing for them. And they've, I mean, Brad's had so many amazing blessings because of following the Lord. And another standout thing to me that I loved, he said, my grandma Smith often said, never say no to the bishop, but Bishop Galland revised it to say, never say no to the Lord. And I thought that was really cool too, how Brad talks about in this chapter, how he had a really stressful work situation. He was thinking about quitting his job. And then he was asked by the bishop to be the executive secretary, I think. And then Right after that, some blessings came together that never would have happened if he had quit his job and not said yes to that calling. So I thought that was really cool, too, that he it wasn't just about where they moved, but also saying yes to callings, but not saying yes specifically to the bishop, but saying yes to the ward. And it sounds like you've had a situation, too, where you're in a calling where you're you have a lot of responsibility, right? I do. I didn't. I thought it was a really interesting time to have a, I'm overall the youth in my ward over the young women yeah. the women from age 12 to 18. And I got called right after blending families and it was COVID. Oh, was very odd time and teenagers that have had some major struggles. So I have a lot within my own house Yeah, trying to be there for my teenagers, but I definitely felt a strong prompting that that was what I was supposed to do. And I, I know that I have a lot of compassion and a lot of love for my girls and for all of our, the youth. And it's been the biggest blessing ever to be able to serve. And I always send, I always tend to have enough time. I'm not sure how. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Just all works out. It does. It magically falls into place when you put the Lord first, everything else falls into place somehow, some way. Yes. Very unexplainable. (laughs) Yes. And to go back to one thing you said too, where I think it's so cool too, that you were saying as a hairstylist, you have a lot of people that come to you with their problems. And that's, I think, very common. Hairstylists end up being also pseudotherapists too. And I think it's so great that you are using the gospel to help solve people's problems because that's one thing. I don't know if you've read the book, The Power of Everyday Missionaries, but I love that. Oh, it's so good. And Clayton Christensen. Besides Brad's Brad's book. Yes. (laughs) He talks about how that's one of Satan's lies that you can't mix work and religion ever. And he teaches like, no, you can use these principles to help solve any problems in any situation. So that's really cool that you're doing that in your workspace and helping women see that they can turn to God and have him help solve their problems. And with this chapter two, I feel like There's a few things in the gospel that I feel like even going to church my entire life, reading the scriptures, understanding that Jesus was my savior, there were a few things in the gospel that I feel like I just missed. I somehow 
missed those lessons, missed the boat, didn't understand until I was older. And this is one of them, like giving your will to God is the key to everything working out eventually and working out in the best way. I don't know how I missed that growing up. It was like, I learned about understand it better when you're have such big life experiences. Yes. Feel like you don't, you almost feel like you're put in a corner and you don't have a choice. Well, from, from my personal experience, that's so true. That was when I started to understand what that actually meant. Cause they were really big situations that I had never been through before. Yeah. And there's a lot at stake and it's not just a lot of, yeah. What am I going to eat for lunch or where to school? But yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Well, just to close, is there anything that you want to say about this chapter, about Brad's book in general that has affected you? One thing I wanted to wanted to just say just about Brad and Tiffany is I just love their example that they've set and they didn't let anything in their lives stop them from doing God's will. They didn't have anything that was an excuse to be like, oh, I'm just going to take a break now from, from this journey in life. They let it keep pushing them forward. And they still to this day have set such a good example for all of us that have them surrounding us. And they're still serving their mission that they were sent here to this earth to do. And I feel like that if we can all continue to do our mission till they say the last stretch is always the hardest till the very end, whatever that may be for each and every single one of us. If we can keep pushing forward and doing God's will and constantly asking Him what His will is for our lives at that time, I just feel like that that's why we're here. And they have not let anything stop them from doing that. And it is going to continue to be a example that I will look at forever of just the way that they've lived their life. And they have a sense of humor with it. Yes. Yes. They really are the ultimate examples of enduring to the end. So I agree with that. And thank you so much for coming on here and giving your thoughts and your time. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple podcast and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.